Welcome to KSL Cafecito, the podcast where we talk all things culture over some nice cafecito. I'm Yvette Cruz. And I'm Michelle Carreras. And today we're talking privilege, the higher education system, and navigating it as a first-generation college student. This stemming from the college cheating scandal that broke last week in which about 50 people, including some Hollywood stars, were charged in a scam where wealthy parents allegedly bribed college coaches and other insiders to get their kids into some of the nation's best schools. Joining us to talk about this today is Cristobal Villegas, a first-generation college student who just graduated from the University of Utah with a master's. Congratulations, by the way, and welcome. Gracias. Okay, guys, so this story shocked a lot of people and didn't shock a lot of other people because it seemed no surprise that rich people use their money to get what they want, legally or not. Am I right? Um, but rather than just focus on this scandal, one of the things that really stood out to me when the news broke was the community of first-generation college students who came out online and shared their experiences and how proud they were not only of how they got to where they got, but the fact that they didn't have any help and still managed to succeed. So today in this episode, I want to highlight that experience. So Cristobal, we'll start with you. What was your path to college like? And what was the financial situation like? And mm-hmm. how did you react to this mm-hmm. whole cheating scandal when you uh, found out about it? Yeah, first of all, well, thank you for for inviting me to come over yeah. here and talk oh, about pleasure. this. Like, I'm really excited. And back, back to your question. Yeah, uh, navigating, you know, college is, is a mountain. Um, my mom is from Mexico. My dad's from El Salvador. And I'm the oldest out of six siblings. I remember like after I think it was sixth grade, my parents wouldn't be able to help me with school anymore, right? Mm-hmm. My math, my English, my my sciences. They were like, I don't know, mijo, you know, you go take care of it by yourself. So from that moment on, even just navigating K through 12 and then post, it was it was a challenge. All these forms, this financial aid that people talk about, um, application fees for this and for that. Like I didn't know what to do. So for me, navigating and applying to school it was a challenge in and of itself. Um, educating my parents, letting them know, hey, papa, mama, I, I can't work 100% because I got to take care of my studies and I got to get ready for the exam coming up. But they're like, mijo, you, <laughs> I, I think you can do all these things. I'm like, okay, well, I'll do my best what I can, you know? Yeah. What about you, Shaw? Uh, for me, as far as when I first heard about the news, uh, yeah, it wasn't, that didn't shock me. It, it just... It reminded me back of my days working at my alma mater and hearing stories about how certain people would be getting into certain programs and et cetera. There's one program at my alma mater that is really competitive to get to, and you would hear stories about how certain parents were trying to get uh, their sons and daughters into this program that is still one of their more uh, more sought-after programs. I won't name it, but uh, yeah. But So it didn't necessarily surprise me, but it just kind of continued on this idea of like even with the money or even like with the idea of like the name like whoever whatever your last name is that's still not enough that's still now you need more now you do need the funds to to I hate to say it, but to bribe these people and to get your son or your daughter into it and as far as my financial situation kind of like the same situation um well I, I grew up with just my mother and so yeah it reached a certain age as well or it's like okay she could only help me so much but also she was working two jobs at some point then mm-hmm. she was working her full-time job and it yeah and it got tough so it's a lot of there's a lot of sort of figuring it out on your own i think for a lot of us you know not just latinos latinas but a lot of us who maybe grow up a little bit more uh humbler if you will we struggle with it because a lot of times especially for us first generation college students since our parents didn't have that experience of 
figuring out everything like you had mentioned from financial aid to even just these upper uh, these upper division kind of classes that were in high school, that's that's tough. Like, for, for example, like for my mom, she only got her high school diploma, so mm-hmm. she couldn't tell me anything mm-hmm. about about that. And and my mom was probably one of the lucky ones back in Ecuador back mm-hmm. in the day who actually finished it because my mom's the oldest of 11, so she's like the second mom and and my family, if you will, uh, of my aunts and uncles. So it's uh, it's it's tough for for nuestra gente as well, obviously. And I don't know. I I, I think it's uh, it's it's sad. And it's something that won't go away. Like, I'm not going to be like saying that it's going to get fixed or now because of this. Now, you know, schools are going to start putting better regulation, you know, regulation. Like, no, no, it's still a business. I know people don't yeah. want to admit that college is a business. I, I, I think like, uh, just go off on his point. Um, these institutions of education aren't built for bodies like us. Right. From the inception of these, you know, universities, they were made for specific people, for specific income levels. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. And so this whole chase of like, you know, they're trying to be inclusive. They're they're they, they're not, you know, uh, immigrant bodies, black bodies, brown bodies, femme bodies. They're not wanted in institutions. And especially if you don't have money, you're especially not wanted in these institutions. Absolutely. Yeah, but. So, I mean, money's an issue, you know, but they, there, there are scholarships available for thing, for people like that. And so, I mean, sh- should should there be more available? To, like, obviously, they, schools want to be inclusive. They say they want to be inclusive. And, and there are people who want to go to these schools because, like it or not, these schools carry certain weight. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you say, you know, I went to Harvard, that people look at you differently than if you say you went to some school nobody ever heard of. It doesn't mean you're less, but people will see you differently. And so, sh- what else can these schools do to let more kids in? And, like, can they... I mean, I mean, obviously, tuition is a big issue, but what other programs could I mean, just obviously, like your guys's opinion, what other things could be available to to students who have the potential to succeed at these schools, but just don't have the means? It's tough because, I mean, one thing that I can think of from that that might help. And I know some schools it has depends on their alum and their and maybe their alums begin to work with certain departments and say, I'm an alumnus here. I studied engineering here so i want to start a scholarship for you know whether it's latino african-american whoever students that are going to do engineering like i did as well and little by little like that but that's easier said than done definitely that's a lot of money to start up a scholarship fund um at my alma mater there was one uh, a private donor who donated thirty thousand dollars every year for uh, students that were, and I believe the scholarship is still around, for undocumented non-resident students. It was mm-hmm. a private scholarship because undocumented non-resident students cannot get financial aid. Right. So, and it's tough because, like, we were, we were so dependent on him. And then he did it for about four years. But then after that, he, he said, you know, I, I think I'm going to uh, invest elsewhere. And what were we going to say? Like, of course, we wanted to say no, but at the same time, he gave 120000 over four years, like, in that wow, four-year span, <laughs> you know, for students that he never met, yeah. he never would go and, and you that's know, good. God bless the man for it. He never would come to the scholarship awards. He would never, he only showed up, I think, three times mm. to certain events. And that was it. And nobody really knew, like the people that were in charge of it was the committee. And and that's great. That's a great story. But that's really far and few. And I don't know. And well, we would need more of that. But at the same time, yeah, maybe these the people that have that amount to, to give – Maybe they're investing in something else. That sounds really bad, but they probably they, are. Yeah. yeah. And if I may just go one step further than that, I think I personally believe uh, access to education is a human right. 
So mm-hmm. if we look from that perspective, just as healthcare is a human right and other are human rights, we if we look at this and say, you know, how are these institutions, how can we make it more equitable in justice is by assuring, you know, that tuition isn't a burden just to apply for application fee, you know, that it's, you know, what's the government, what's society's uh, responsibility to every single member of this community? Do, are, do we want an educated populace or do we not? And so I think, I mean, and then from there we can stem on to like, yeah, there's differences in different institutions um, from Harvard to, let's say, my, my original school, Utah Valley University. There's definitely differences in like prestige. But at the end of the day, it's an education. It's more of like what I do with that education, what I do with that certificate. Um, that really depends. Yeah, right. I agree. What are your thoughts on, mm-hmm. on this? Um, well, so just like a little background on my um, experience or my path to college, I grew up in a single parent household. My mom raised my sister and I, and um, college was never a question. Like it was never like, are you going to college or like, am I gonna? Like it was always, it was always going to happen no matter what. Um, whether for two reasons actually. So one was anything that I wanted to do when I grew up, like when I wanted to be when I was a kid, and I you know either wanted to be a lawyer, I wanted to be a teacher, I wanted to be a journalist. It all required a degree. So in that sense, it was never a question that I was going to go to school. But also because my mom always told me that it was a privilege that I was born a U.S. citizen. Like she, mm-hmm. she's from Mexico and she mm-hmm. always said, you have that privilege. There's no way you're a U.S. citizen and you're not going to get an education. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't make it past grade school. And, and I think my mom is a very intelligent woman and I think she's a very hard worker, but she looks back and she always said she doesn't, she didn't, I mean, she's just, she still says this, but she said this growing up. She didn't want my sister and I to end up like her to go to work and, and have it be work and not have a career. She mm-hmm. wanted us to have mm-hmm. a career and not a job or two jobs because I know at some point she had several jobs. Um, but she, that was always, that was always going to happen college now how it was going to be paid for that was something that was was tricky and you know we kind of it was kind of a taboo but it was kind of like we'll figure it out when when it happens and so and I had to navigate that by myself too. I had to figure out one, you know, FAFSA. I had to learn about what FAFSA was. My yeah. mom unfortunately didn't know and couldn't tell me. I had to mm-hmm. tell her. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and even then, you know, FAFSA pays for so much and I think it, it's, it's a great program, but, there's so much more that's necessary yeah. and, and navigating through that. Like I was lucky enough to, I, I went to a school that uh, my undergrad, I went to a school that was close to home. So I lived at home for most of it. So I wasn't exactly out on my own, but I was having to pay for school in the sense that I had the grants that I had mm-hmm, to use. Mm-hmm. And I also had to take out loans and I had to work too, um, just to like provide for myself. Obviously my, my mom was providing a roof over my head and, mm-hmm. you know, food and all of that, but I had to pay for gas to get to school. I had to pay for, um, you know, things that I wanted or books or I had to pay to be a normal person, I guess. I had to, I had to have a job for that. And it wasn't until I went to Chicago to get my uh, master's that I was completely on my own. And I had to, again, had to navigate how to do that completely, how to get that financial aid. Um, I had to take out loans that um, I've mentioned before. I will be paying for the rest of my life probably. And I didn't even go to an Ivy League school until some elite school that costs hundreds of thousand dollars. Still, I am indebted because I had to take out loans because my mom couldn't help me pay. And also something that really stood out to me, like throughout my college experience, especially when I was out on my own in Chicago. My mom couldn't help me. Like she couldn't pay my rent when I was living mm-hmm. in another city. She couldn't pay for my, I, I think sometimes she tried and she'd, she'd call me and she'd ask. She also didn't know how I was doing. I, I, I was doing fine by the way, but obviously as a parent, she worried. And so 
when we would talk on the phone, she'd ask me like, are you, are you okay? Like, are you eating? Are you all that stuff? And I, and I wasn't starving. I, I was fine. Um, but I was working too. I had to take up a job, a part-time job while I was in school to pay for, you know, my rent, my food and transportation to get around. And I know she worried and, and the most that she could do, you know, I, she called me when, when we, well, the day that the scandal broke and we were talking about it and she was just like, I can't believe these people and I can't believe these institutions took the money because that, that obviously opens the door for things like this to continue happening. But it made me remember like the most that she could do and I am so grateful for it she would send me care packages like she would mm. send me a, like a box and she my mom works at Walmart and so she gets you know she mm-hmm. she finds the deals and she's a big bargain person she would send me a box with like toothpaste and like you know things that she found that she was like you know a box of tea of the tea that I like and it was like and I didn't need any of that like I was obviously like I, I, I paid for that stuff but that's what she could do to help me mm-hmm. that's and, and she did it like she she obviously gave me the support the the emotional support that I needed for that stuff but that was her idea of a financial support and I am so grateful for that but it does make me wonder and I want to ask both of you guys it makes me wonder if she had the money like she always says if I had the money I would, I would give you whatever like I'd help you I'd pay for your school but now it makes me wonder would she cut corners so do you guys mm. think that your parents had they had the money to like help you out more do you think they would have cut corners maybe like these parents did I, I don't really want to you know ponder how my parents would have re- reacted with it had wealth but I will comment on the system that's already built that it's made for people with money to ah, cut yes. those quarters right mm-hmm. like um, I was listening to this great podcast um, and it was saying in there that you know we have the front door to an institution which is like everyone who has to apply you know go through the certain hoops get the ACT SAT things like that then you got the back door the back door is those who can sponsor a building right like uh, mm-hmm. Ashton Kutcher um, how he was able to get to his institution um they his family donated three million four million that's for like the one percent that's the back door but then you got the side door and this is the where we talk about the nine percent the families right here where they don't have you know that three four million dollars to spend but they have that hundred two hundred three hundred thousand wow. dollars to spend it's a side door so already the system is not built for people like us um it, it, it's made for people to cut those corners from you know from legacy students to those who um can afford to have their name on the building it's made already with corners cut for them yeah i'll agree with you i, I don't know what my what my mother would have would have done i mean i i assume she would enough but you know you never know in the moment um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh yeah i i think i couldn't help but think with all this that was that's been going on in the news lately that now institutions they're not going to change a lot of them are going to continue the same mm-hmm. but now how i guess to try to keep it on the down low are they going to try to go you know how they even take a step further of like okay you know, they're going to continue taking money. And some of these people, unfortunately, call them corrupt, call them whatever you want to. Uh, they're going to still do this because there's always that feeling that, all right, we're just not going to get caught. These people did. You know, we're just not. And the money's always going to be there because it's not like tuition is going to lower anytime soon. It's not. It's going to continue going up. The other day I had a conversation with somebody and I had mentioned when I started in undergrad for 12 credit hours, it was $1,200. That was back at Weber State so many years Uh, ago. And and one of the reasons I stayed at Weber to do my master's as well is because I didn't want to pay $30,000 for Michigan State or $25,000 for Clemson, you know, and now, you know, thank God I'm now tuition free. Like I don't owe any student loans. Like I'm done now. But that was because I stayed there. That was because I had to take advantage as well. Like Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that early on, like I try to tell students 
uh, at least I used to try to tell students when when I was an advisor, like definitely take advantage of some of these, you know, these situations. If there is, if you can work at the university, if et cetera, things like that. I was fortunate enough that my mom worked at Weber State oh, for over good. 20 years. Yes. So I got 50 percent tuition and I got my Pell Grant and FAFSA and all this stuff. And so. Yeah, it made it pretty easy. But now, twelve hundred bucks—I don't know if that's going to get you six credits, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's so sad. And it just kind of makes me wonder now that it's going to continue on. And and I I I hope from within change could be made, whether it is from admins or whether it's from alumni who donate to the school. Those people that maybe you know worked hard, are a little bit older, and and donate to the school or have that influence. Because you know, there's sometimes people there that. You know, they, they're maybe in that, like you said, 9% or 5% around there that kind of can influence it a little bit. Maybe they don't have the three mil to change the name of the building, but they can still call up the dean of whatever school and say, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? Uh, we should open up this, or I feel like this program for these students needs to do that. At least that's my hope. That's a long shot, but at least that could be building blocks to, to begin some change. I want to go back to this like school issue because I know you mentioned that in education is an, in education, like no matter where you went. So Shoshua, you mentioned something too. You said that you stayed at Weber, you got your master's and you could have gone to another school, an out-of-state school that maybe has more weight. Maybe people know the schools more over maybe Weber State, mm. but you got an education and now you're working in a field that you enjoy mm. and you, someone called you, someone would call you very successful. Like, mm. I, why, why do we mm. put this? Maybe. This, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I've been blessed. I've been blessed. That's enough. Yeah, been blessed. You, I mean, you made a, you, you made a smart decision in, in you know you're debt free now you 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 paid for your education it's done and um, you are educated you're an educated person yes some people really would call you successful but why do we put so much weight as a society why do we put so much weight on some schools over others when at the end of the day an education is an education and a degree is a degree and you know someone who's happy or unhappy at their job that's that's still someone who's there but like again why do we put that weight on certain schools over others if I may I think uh, returning back to this the reason why we're talking about this scam Right, the children of these very wealthy families don't really have to go to school, but the reason why they had a school is to not only give notoriety and access to those networks for the children, but because it means a little bit more to the parents. Oh, I'm a parent of a Harvard graduate. Uh, I'm yeah. a parent of a Stanford graduate. Right. So I think back to this: it's, it's about access, about networking. But for who? Not only the wealthy, but I want to add this other context, the white wealthy families, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of this, these families are a- able to perpetuate the systemic um, classification of people who are elite and those who are the rest. So, um, yeah, I, again, yeah, I, I agree. Like, an education is an education wherever you go. But at the end of the day, for people who who's, de- who's like um, famous, their, their, their well-being is is rested upon the brand and the brand are the schools nowadays. I agree. And it, it reminds me of something that um I think we talked about when we were thinking about the idea for this uh podcast episode that we had said like you could wear whatever kind of pair of jeans or whatnot or a pair of shoes, but but we want the Nikes or we mm-hmm. want the insert whatever brand here. I mean, you could wear some other lesser brand, but it's still going to do the same thing. It's still going to get you from point A to point B, right? But we don't. We want something that's a little bit more notoriety. And I think it kind of, 
as weird it sounds, a kind of similar things as well. We want that notoriety of my son or daughter went to Duke and studied medicine there mm-hmm. compared to whatever. But at, to your point as well, it's to gain that access. So, all right, my son or daughter is a Duke alum. So now there are a ton of Duke alums wherever mm-hmm. this region. Mm-hmm. Maybe he or she can get a job there and go from there. And then maybe we can make connections and et cetera, et cetera. It almost is like a wildfire. It just once a little spark there and then it just continues to grow and to grow and to try to get that connection. And for me, the sad part is, is that that circle doesn't necessarily get bigger you just become part of it you're not spreading it out you're just kind of there because I've seen a lot of families who once they get that kind of connection I mean I always feel like you should help out others but they just kind of help the inner circle they're not helping Mm -hmm. those that might be outside the circle some do but a lot of them a lot of them don't because they want to maintain that status they want to maintain that sort of club idea that they have Eva what are your thoughts on this yeah I, I guess I agree with both of you and I also think it's like a community thing like obviously like these mm-hmm. these kids who got into these schools obviously they they had that one up like the parents helped them with that but for those who didn't you know people who went to a who got in on merit um, and and maybe graduated from let's say Yale or Harvard or whatever then now you're part of that community and so now you're and now remember that you know the whole saying um it's not what you know it's who you know and then and that's when it really comes into play because now you know other people who graduated from that school and who can connect you, like you said, Shaw, to jobs and open certain doors for you, and that and that that happens obviously at the Ivy League, but it also happens in our communities. Like if you if you know someone who went to the school that you went to, like I, I hear this in the newsroom all the time. Like oh, there's a, a group of journalists who went to Weber, and so you hear go Wildcats. Like there's everybody connects in that you know the people who are part of that community are now connected, and and maybe you will help out a Weber alum at some point, uh, maybe because they are a Weber alum, maybe because you feel they deserve it. But I think it, it's still, I mean, and this is I guess this is a lighter sense of it, but it's you're part of a community, and and whether or not, obviously, like you should be part of that community based on merit. But the way our society works, unfortunately, sometimes you're part of that community and you, your foot's in the door and then bam, all the other doors are open for you. And it, I don't think it's fair, but sadly, it, it, it happens. And so, I mean, what can we do? I guess what what do you guys think? I know you, you've said that it, it probably won't change. Now that people are going to find a different way to open up these other doors or windows at this point now. But is there something that we can start doing now? Like even like, you know, like the little, a little grain of salt, like what, what can we do for anyone listening or for just, you know, us, what can we do to maybe change this? So maybe mm-hmm. when we have our next generation, maybe they don't have to be faced with the same like injustices. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Hmm. And there isn't a right or wrong answer. I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing stuff no, out. No, 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 no. That's fine. It's, yeah, it's, it's tough because there are, there's a good amount of us. There's a good amount of us who are first generation who have already gone and, 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 and been successful. I think all three of us, I would like to consider all three of us are successful. I think it's now a matter of, okay, like we're here, but now, now what do we do? And I think we're still in that stage of that now, what do we do? Especially for a lot of us whose parents maybe came in, whether it's in the seventies and the eighties or in the nineties or even in the two thousands, whenever your uh, parents came over. So the first generation students were still trying to figure out Okay, so we're here. Like, I see you. I see you. Now, now, now what? But I think that now what we need to figure that out and we need to figure it out really soon because the tuition, as we mentioned, is continuing to go up. Sometimes these groups are shunning nuestra gente. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to mobilize. I know that sounds really radical, but we do need to mobilize. But for me, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I just feel like we need to, we need to get together and not necessarily as like the whole country, but even in nuestras comunidades, whether it's here in Utah or anywhere where you're listening to, that's where we need to gather and we need to start saying, okay, our gente are not going to go to the university 
and not just because they don't want to or not because they're smart enough. It's because, yeah, part of it is financial, and also nobody's teaching them the ropes how to do this. And it's mm-hmm. not their parents' fault because they don't know. We can't blame them. We can't put the blame on them. But we did it. We did it somehow, whether our parents helped us or not, or somebody else helped us while we were up there trying to figure it out. But now we need to take yeah. our education, you know, not just the formal education. We need to take our experience and give it to these students. And, and what I would add is that this issue um, that is right in front of us has a lot of interrelated and intersecting issues. Um, education or the right to access education is related to wealth inequality, is related to just many different things that are impacting us. So uh, one thing I, I would love to bring up to discuss further um, is affirmative action. Um, because and now that, you know, even though I went to an open enrollment school, um, so everyone who applies can get in, um, I still got to be an advocate for affirmative action because other bodies in other places depend on these tools to not make only sure that more bodies come in from different marginalized communities, but that more people can go back to those communities and continue to build that wealth. Another thing I would want to add is like, we got to make sure as, uh, as, at least for me, like as a graduate with a, with a master's is I got to advocate for reparations for those individuals who have been systemically marginalized through racist policies, right? I got to advocate to make sure our trans uh, people, our queer people are, are being allowed into these spaces that people without the proper documentation can have a right to education, right? So I think now that as, at least for myself, that as a graduate, I have to not only talk about these things, but I have to advocate and hopefully, you know, talk to our policy people, do the activism, do philanthropy in order to engage our community to make sure that we continue to not only make it more accessible, but take down those barriers that limit people from the beginning. And I think um, this is just kind of like a side thing, but I think social media plays a big role. And I think as far as like going as far as like advocating, I think I mean, a lot of like anytime something breaks, I go on social media to see how people Mm -hmm. are reacting. And I get a lot of the conversation from people and I get a lot of different perspectives. And I feel like I learned something through that people Mm -hmm. sharing their own experiences, people sharing things that that they may know, people who work in education, people who don't just kind of like sharing stuff on social media. And I feel like I get I learned something from it. And therefore, I can take other steps or I can learn how to take other steps. And I think that, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good place. That that's I mean, if if that's all you have, that's a good place to start. Start um, sharing one your own experiences. Like, don't be afraid to talk about that. Um, and then also giving people something for sharing theirs. You know, um, letting them know they're not alone and and helping their stories get told and 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 advocating for what you believe. And I think social media. I don't want to say social media has the power to change anything, you know, but I think it does have the power to get the conversation going. And then maybe from the conversation, then maybe that's where action starts. And so I think social media is a really, a really big place to start. Um, that's kind of where I got like the idea to do this one. Obviously, like the scandal was one thing, but I, ca- I just loved seeing all of the, the tweets and the Facebook posts of the first generation college community and sharing their own experiences and, and just kind of opening the eyes to maybe people who are more privileged and don't understand what it's like to be less privileged and, and what it was like to have to like pay for your own schooling or what it was like to not be able to go to school because you couldn't pay for it. I think that for me, social media helped me out and, and, and still helps me learn with like any other, any, any big thing that goes on. It, it's a good place to start and it's a good place to start the conversation. Some of the tweets that I found that were like very interesting um, 
so this is from, you know, um, a, a tweet and it was, uh, it's a hashtag college cheating scandal it says, uh, I remember when a girl in my high school told me I only got into college because I'm Latina and poor yet here are the white elite using their wealth to diminish any progress affirmative action has attempted to make. Another user, um, they said, this is what's most infuriating about the college cheating scandal. So many hardworking, deserving people don't make it because they don't have money or drown in debt. But say things on those of us who got diversity scholarship. Affirmative action is clearly the problem. Um, yeah, here's one that I um, like kind of just really like touched my heart. It was at um, Carla underscore 22. She said, when I got into when I got accepted into college, my parents gave me two hundred dollars. My mom blessed them and grabbed my hand and crying said, mm. this is all we can give you. Please forgive us. The day I spent that money, I cried because I knew that was all they had for my education. Hashtag college cheating scandal. Um, another one from at Tusk 81 says, shout out to all the children of immigrants who had to figure out college application forms, fees, financial aid forms, books, tuition on their own because they knew the Possible burden it would be on their parents. One uh, thing I want. Oh, sorry. One uh, thing I want to comment on that is that um, all that we we lots of times talk about the fees and everything on the day of college, but also the college prep that many wealthy families can invest into into the children's education is also very important to underscore because like. I'll be honest, I only took the ACT once and I was like, okay, like, I think that's good enough. But I know there's tons of other people who get tons of courses and they, their parents not only invest in time with reading and everything from their college experience, but invest monetarily so they can, their child can go more, much far, farther than any other student can. And not only that, but throughout the process, like some kids do get really good grades because they've been able, they've been provided a tutor to help them for two to three hours every day with their homework so they can learn a subject and excel at a subject and and not just like academically but also you, you think of like artistically people and I think also talent has something to do with it but you can develop a talent through a mentor through a tutor through a coach through a trainer through all that stuff when a lot of other people on the other side don't have that advantage and like I think you mentioned both of you guys mentioned this you know your parents couldn't help you with your homework and I had the same experience I, I couldn't and I don't blame my mom for that but I had to figure it out and if I didn't and, you know, I had to use my own like I just I had to I had to find the time to study because I also worked. But I also had to like somehow understand something. And I had to figure out how to, like tutoring sessions at school that the school provided. And also I had to be in with enough time to make it to my job um, because that's that's just what the situation was. I, I mean, I'm sure if my mom could have she would have helped me with a tutor or something if she couldn't do it. But at that point, I mean, that, that's just what it was. That was that's just what my situation was. And I guess. I don't regret my situation. I think maybe I was frustrated in the moment, but I look back now and I'm proud of where I came from and how I got to where I am. But I want to ask you guys, do you think your experiences shaped you? And if so, how? Yeah, I, I do believe my experience has definitely shaped me. Um, I, I did the best I could with the opportunity that I was given um, or the challenges that I was given. Navigating and understanding myself, uh, uh, a a brown body in a predominantly white institution. I had to understand how different, you know, norms were, how different languages were used. Um, I would get frustrated, I'll be honest. And when I had a read and I just couldn't understand what they were trying to say, or I, I try to make friends in different areas of the school, but at the same time, I didn't feel that closeness. And so for me, like, yeah, I, I feel who I am today was because of the sacrifices of my parents, was because of the challenges I had to go through. 
But I also know that if I will, I had less challenges or I had more preparation, I could also be doing different things even or a different capacity, different magnitude. I don't want to compare myself with what could have been, but I definitely want to say like I probably would have had different opportunities now as opposed to where I am now. So yeah, I, I am grateful to be where I'm at and I'm grateful I overcame those challenges, not only by myself, but, but those around me. But there is definitely like that, that gap where like, hmm, I wonder what I could have been. Um, I'm just grateful for my experience. I wouldn't change it for anything. Could I have paid more attention in high school? <laughs> yes. Could I have even graduated high school? Yeah. I probably should have graduated high school, but I didn't. Um, I ended up getting my GED for that, but I'm grateful for the people that helped me get into, to, to get into college. Everybody from, I know I told the story to Yvette, but um, I was going to go to like a, a, a smaller school just to get a certificate. And then I was going to do web page design. Mm-hmm. That was originally my plan. And I was a really bad kid uh, as a teenager. And so I, I overcame that. And, and my mom was so proud of me that I had just gotten my GED. She told a colleague at, at her job and said, oh, I'm so proud of my son. He's going to go and get the certificate and do that. And it was this woman who I never met, only my mom has met her, um, said, well, why doesn't he come up here to the university? And then she got my, she gave my mom a card of the person in charge of the Hispanic, um, the Hispanic center there, um, on a lady by the name of Anna Gina Arroyo. And she, yeah, we made an appointment and she, she did everything for me. She explained to me everything because I had no idea. I'm like, I don't know anybody that's gone to college. Some of my older cousins, but they're in New Jersey. I don't know what, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't even know if I want to do this. And how much is it going to cost me? All those questions. I was a worried kid as well. And Anna Jane, God bless her. She was always like, it's not going to cost you anything because you have this, you have this. She explained it to my mom. She explained it to me. She made my whole schedule for my first year. She did everything. She went to the bookstore with me to go get my books because I had no idea how that worked. Everything, all that. And she just kind of after that, let me kind of go and be like, okay, here, like just go. And, and, and I'm forever grateful for it. And, and I, I wouldn't change anything. And I think it's just our responsibility now that's, there's not a lot of people like Anna Jane around, you know, and, and it's our responsibility because some people will say, well, you know, race, you know, it shouldn't matter as far as that. No, it shouldn't, but it does make a difference when you see somebody who's like you. Being like that, it, it does. Like, let's not, let's not be ignorant about it. it. It does make a difference. And the more that people, the new generation sees not only us, not only that we succeeded, because it's one thing that they see that we are successful, but it's another thing that we're successful and we're coming back to help them. That's, that's a big difference. And yes. that's what we need to step up a lot more. Yvette? Yeah, I agree. I think that. Um, one, yeah, we should definitely give back. We should, you know, I, I think obviously it sounds like, you know, all of us had a different path, similar, but different path, but we're all grateful for our path. And there were people along the way who did help us, whether it was our parents' sacrifices or mentors that we found along the way, they helped us. Everybody was a part of our journey and got us to where we are. And probably there's more, way more, more people that we'll run into that will also help us. But I think we also need to be those people. We need to find, we need to reach out. And, um, even if it's just one person that you have a conversation with or someone that you reach out to on social media, again, I'm a big advocate for that. Um, there's a big community there. Um, but, um, 
Yeah, I think I think even just sharing your story and telling someone, like you said, Shoah, like seeing seeing yourself in someone else or seeing a, like a little bit of you in someone else can help you. It can say, hey, that that's possible, and and I can do that, or you know, yeah, that that's hard. It's hard for that person too, and yet they're still able to overcome that challenge. I think that that's what's really important about sharing our stories. And and I don't regret anything about my journey. I I know that like I I think back to like me maybe like ten years ago, like eighteen year old me, and how like maybe frustrated I was about certain things, and like I wish I could tell her like, hey, it's gonna be okay, like you're gonna you're gonna get this and and you're gonna be grateful for this experience and and so i'm proud now um and and i I wouldn't take any of it back i would like to just advocate one thing about community colleges i think uh lots of this uh overlooks these different places where not only a bachelor's but maybe like you were saying before the the certificates the the apprentices the uh apprenticeships and all that is very important and is part of the education system and so um working as work as a person working within a community college I see how it's much more accessible for all types of students from a non-traditional or like a, a person that's older than 26, maybe has children, married, maybe a full-time job to those who are, you know, barely 18 and still living at home with, the, with their folks. Uh, community colleges are one of the, I think, a more, uh, a better equalizer than these university utopians that we keep yeah. talking about. Because unlike universities where they can be their own city unto themselves, community colleges, they're in the community. Mm-hmm. And I think allowing people to, to understand, hey, a community college is just as great as a university. And honestly, cheaper, better access to great resources. And you can even get more a community experience. So I think that's something that, um, this, this, the scandal, um, kind of flies over the, the accessibility to community colleges. That's a really good point because like you said, at the end of the day, an education is an education. Absolutely. Can I say one thing that I, I, I wanted to bring up, but I was like, oh, I don't want it to be taboo as far as what the conversation. Bring it up. Uh, well, Do one thing it. I was going to say is like. Bring it up. There are some. Now this is, I'm not trying to. I love some mi gente. Some capital S. No, there are some. And there's like that nuestra gente that when they make it, they mm-hmm. se them. Uh, and I wanted to bring that up, but I just didn't want to bring see, it like, up. No, bring it, bring it up. <laughs> like uh, d- d- cafecito like, caliente, por favor. <laughs> because it's true. Like I've seen some, and and it's not that I want to be necessarily a hater. Like I don't want to be like that. But at the same time, I, I don't know. For me, it's just like not that you need to forget about me, but don't forget about where you came from. Don't mm-hmm. forget about nuestra exactly. gente, yeah. mm-hmm. like that. And 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 it's sad. And there's some even family members that I can think of who it's like. Yeah, they've had success or their sons or daughters have had like some of my cousins. Yeah, and it's just like <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying that that can't never happen to any For of us. Sure. Like obviously things change. I hope not. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think eso para mí me, me, me da más dolor. Yeah. Si es un blanco, lo entiendo de una eh, manera. Eh, los espera, you know, like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I think if I may I say on to that, like I think me going through getting my undergrad I definitely show that to my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a little time where I struggled and I was like, oh, me creo, yo soy más que ustedes porque tengo una educación y ustedes no, you know? And for me, it was a, I'll be, I'll be very vulnerable. Like it was a coming to understanding of my privileges of who I'm standing upon and where I'm at. And so for me, like, yeah, I, I think I've experienced where like there was time where it's like my mom and dad and myself will get in arguments and I'll bring that up. 
But then, like, as I kept growing, I was like, oh, no, like, I'm here because of them. Like, I I don't need to be this gatekeeper. I need to be a gate greeter, you know? My dad will always say, you know, los latinos son como los cangrejos, you know? You you start bullying them, and then one tries to get out. <laughs> Instead of trying to all get out, you know, they pull them back in, you know? And then for me, it's like, no, I don't want to be a cangrejo, you know? I want to yeah. be the great uh, the gate greeter for more Latinos, like, yeah. you know, more different bodies so I can help them get to where I'm at or even more more yeah and I think like like I think it's very natural to have like to react like that and to like feel like that for a moment the important thing is that you got past it and now now you're like you said you're a gate greeter but like I remember I had this one like I never like I don't think I ever like thought of myself as like oh like I'm better like I didn't think of myself as I'd like to think that I never thought of myself as like better than like my mom or like you know other people in my community but I did have like a really eye-opening moment once I used to work at a well, it was, I was a bakery and then they had like the, you know, cause there was like always a mix of businesses. So mm-hmm. it was like a panaderia and then there was like a notary office next door that I eventually moved to the notary office and I was like a um, secretary, whatever. And there was this guy that would come in sometimes, sometimes like I just like, I like he just, it was really hard to communicate with him sometimes because sometimes he like, he'd, he'd want an appointment and I'd be like, there are no appointments. Like I'd have to be like kind of stern about it because he just want one when he wanted one. And so sometimes like I got this like vibe and I'm just like, oh, I like this guy, this guy again. Like I remember, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say I thought I was better than him, but I was just like, I was annoyed by mm-hmm, him in his mm-hmm. presence sometimes. And one time he needed help with something. And so I just, I told him he had to sign. Like I was like, okay, like I prepared the document or something and I'm like, oh, you just have to sign right here. And he said he didn't know how. And when he said that, like, I felt like so bad for like ever being annoyed by him or forever, like not wanting to help. And I'm just like some like it just kind of hit me that I'm like some people's situations are just different. And like maybe I'm lucky enough to have been born here and go to school and like get an education. But this guy, um, I remember he's from El Salvador and like I remember he didn't have that experience. And so like that moment just really like it like slapped me with humility, like just kind of like and so I helped him like I did help him sign his name because I knew his name and so I helped him but mm-hmm. like the when the second he said that I was just like what like I got chills because like I was like wow like, I'm getting chills people, yeah like it was just That's... it was just very like humbling you know and so I, now like I like sometimes you just like you're young and you just you think what you think and you can't help it but then you grow up you do mature and you do become a better person I like to the, think those co- course correcting moments in life are so vital yeah. and so yeah I, I think we all have them I, we just definitely, definitely heard you say that but I think like the it tells more about you recognizing that and that's the problem with different people with wealth I would say with, with more wealth and when it's intergenerational wealth you start you stop recognizing mm-hmm. those course changing moments and you just think of it oh well why doesn't he learn how to sign then, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it, it shows a lot. It, it tells me a lot about you for you being able to recognize it, your body, the, you know, the chills you got, like mm-hmm. you recognizing it, that tells us that we are still all connected to our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Yeah. No, I didn't have anything to that. I'm just like, I felt like, damn, like I could just, I'm just thinking in my mind, like seeing, like picturing that moment. Yeah. And just like, oh, I still picture his face yeah. and like, I can still picture him like, mm. um, yeah, like just standing here because I was sitting down. It was like a thing yeah. he was standing up. And so, yeah, at that oh. point, it was like he was looking down. But yeah, it was just, yeah. So it's something I remember sometimes. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's... thank you for sharing that. No, oh, thank you. Yeah, no, listening. that's <laughs> no, that's one of those things that like yeah. need to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, these moments happen. Yeah. And or and when they do, you need to recognize what it what's, mm-hmm. what it means mm-hmm. instead of just kind of like what you said. Oh, well, why doesn't he just exactly. like who? Why didn't anybody teach him or why didn't he learn it himself? Mm-hmm. People, people, everybody's different. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of it does also comes from like parenting. 
teaching, like what your parents teach you. And yes. Like, mm. Yeah. Like a lot of it is parenting. It's also like the world and people you surround yourself with. But like your parents are like you are half of your parents or like you're, mm-hmm. you're you know, like you know, what I mean. But like so how they teach you and like how they how they react to certain situations and how they like and how you react to the way they react to certain situations like that makes you who you are. And like that, like sets the tone for like future yeah. generations, too, I think. That's why for those that don't maybe have a good relationship with their parents or maybe yeah. they didn't even know or they didn't even grow up with their parents you know even more and more blessings to them for that overcame that because mm-hmm. they didn't maybe have that or those people that grew up in foster homes and, and once they're 18 you know they're out the system that's that that's tough so anytime i hear those stories like that of somebody who's grown up whether it's foster home or they grew up in and out of families homes they never had that person to actually do that they had to learn it themselves more than we've said we've learned our things on our own so it's 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 a it's a struggle Well, that was the conversation for today. Uh, thank you for joining us. And thank you also, Cristobal, thank you so much for joining us. Like, uh, we really appreciate it. We appreciate your insights. And where can people find you? Are you on social media? Yes, I am. Yes, I am on Facebook. You can find me at my page, Cristobal, just Cristobal, or on Instagram, Cristobal.vjr. All right. And uh, don't forget for all you listeners to tell your friends to download and subscribe uh, to KSL Capacito or anywhere where uh, you download your favorite podcasts. And on social media, we are at KSL Capacito on Facebook or KSL Capacito on Twitter. For me, I'm at Shuel Carunas. And I'm at Evie Cruz. Thanks for joining us. Ciao. Bye.